It is good to be here with you this morning. Um, I just want to take a moment of personal privilege, if you will, before we get into the New Testament passage and the sermon. I just want to say a word of thank you to um, the Staff Parish Relations Committee and to Brenda Carlisle. had a difficult task last week to make the announcement of um, Leanne and I moving in July um, to be, I will be the district superintendent in the southeastern district of our conference. And um, I just wanted to say, just take a moment to say thank you, um, to, just to the, not just to the Staff Parish Relations Committee for their work, um, but to you as a congregation. Uh, for seven years, um, this has been our home, and you have been our family. And we have had a wonderful ministry together. It's not over yet. We've got several months to go. But I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you for everything that you have meant to me and our family. And I look forward to um, spending the next few months and also to seeing what God does uh, through Ashland Place in the future. So thank you for allowing me that moment. Um, to switch gears. <laughs> I, um, we are entering this um, season of Lent. We, we entered into that season on Wednesday evening. Um, we gathered here. Um, on six o'clock on Wednesday night for the Ash Wednesday service, and and some, for some for many of us, um, we began that season through drive-through imposition of ashes at noon on Wednesday, and um, it's just a wonderful season that really, uh, really kind of invites us and challenges us and and um, drives us to kind of remember who God is and who we are. To remember that we are mortals, that we are creatures, and God is immortal and is the creator. That God created us and redeems us and sustains us. And then we take this 40 days to spend just reflecting, contemplating, and realigning our life together. This sermon series that Kristen and I have worked up for this season. It's called Journey to the Cross. It's, um, it's a wonderful way for us to kind of, kind of imagine, if you will, um, this journey through the season of Lent, this journey to realign, to remember, to reorient, to renew, to refresh our relationship with God, which then allows us to refresh our relationships with one another. And that's a powerful opportunity for us. As we begin this series, we're going to talk about the leadership, the following the leader, what that looks like, and how that can help us. You know, when I was, um, Leanne and I were living in Fort Walton Beach, I was serving as a senior pastor um, at Trinity United Methodist Church on Racetrack Road. And it got its name because it was the road to the racetrack. It's no longer there. Um, but anyway, we were, we were there for six years, and and in that last year, we began to look at our fellowship hall. Um, that's where our um, uh, uh, contemporary service was held and uh, at 945 every Sunday morning. And they had begun the service probably nine years before we got there. And we were um, making our way through, but they had started the service thinking, you know what, this may not work. So we don't want to sink everything into this. To make it permanent when it may just be a season. And so they built a temporary stage out of this um, aluminum framed stage. There were probably nine sections. And as it got older, it began to loosen. 
And they would take straps and bind them together across both directions, forward and side to side, to keep it from swaying, keep it from squeaking and creaking. But whenever you walked on that stage, you felt it move beneath your feet. You could hear it creak and groan and moan. And it got to the point that the band was like, you know what, we're getting nervous about being up here. We need to do something. And so I remember on one, one uh, night we were having a supper, a church supper, and we were talking about the needs of that little fellowship hall. And it had the same carpet since it was built. It was short, a pile, blue carpet, and it had been in there for years and years and had seen daily, <laughs> daily meals, five days a week. So you can imagine the number of stains and the smells that were coming out of that carpet. And I, we began to talk about, well, we could just kind of, we could renovate just this space. We could use it. it. It could help. And so we began to think about, well, let's just take this stage part and let's just kind of, let's reimagine having a permanent stage. We're, we're, we're through a season. We're 12, 15 years into this. We're, we're, it's probably permanent. It's probably not going anywhere. So let's go ahead and embrace it, and let's build a stage, a permanent stage. And while we're at it, let's go ahead and take this old carpet out and put in some hard floors that won't stain. So we began to talk, and there was an architect sitting in our table, and he said, well, I could work up some drawings for us just to kind of see how it looks. I said, you think you can figure out a way to make a, a, a permanent screens for the contemporary service. We have one of those big, portable, aluminum, um, uh, framed cloth <laughs> screens in the corner. That was our screen for the, for the service. If we could just make it look more permanent, people might feel that this is a real thing as they come in and visit. We began talking. And then as we were talking about this, and people were dreaming about what they might be able to do in that room and what colors we might scheme that might work, and then I, I got word that I was moving. I was moving to Mobile. I was coming here. And um, so we told people. And then we found out who was coming to Trinity. And the, the minister who came in behind me had a whole different look, a whole different view. He had a, a, a bigger view than I did. He came in. He said, you know what? We can do the floors. We can do a stage. We can do all of that. But what if we... Go ahead and, and, and work on these rooms in all of the education building. Let's go ahead and rework and renovate all of it. And then we can go into the other building and let's take the old fellowship hall. Let's put new floor in there. Let's paint it. Let's put new HVAC systems all over the building. Let's make it a more secure space for our preschool. And that's exactly what they did. In two and a half years, my idea of a stage and new floor blew into our complete renovation of the entire building. And not just that building, but the fellowship hall. And so I kind of think about what God does through, through, through God's churches. That one thing leads to another. And that leading to another is not just another thing. It's a new thing. And it's a big thing. And it can sometimes outrun our imaginations and our dreams. Because I dreamed of just having a stable stage that people could stand on and not be afraid for their life. I didn't imagine a whole building that would look different. But that's what God does. 
if we follow God. That's what Noah did. You know, when we read, when uh, Kristen read this passage from Genesis, it's a passage about Noah. This is the passage, we're familiar with Noah and the ark. You know, God told Noah to build an ark. I'm going to, I'm going to judge the earth. And you need to build an ark, and you need to get your family and get in that ark. And I want you to get two of every land animal you can get and, and put them in the ark with you. And then the clouds gathered, and the rains poured, and the waters erupted. And there was a deluge. And the earth was flooded. Only Noah and his family and the animals on the ark and the fishes of the sea could survive. Eventually, the water subsided, and and this ark landed on on solid ground. And God opened the door, and and Noah and his family could come out. And the first thing they did, the first thing Noah did was build an altar to give thanks to God. And he offered up clean animals, clean animals to the offering of God, to say, thank you, God, for saving us. And if we take that, if we take that example, we can, we, can, we can do the same thing. We can follow Noah's lead, and we can give thanks to God for whenever God saves us. We don't have to build a stone altar. We don't have to offer animals, but we can just get on our knees. We can close our eyes. We can look up to heaven and say, thank you, God, for your grace. Because no matter how we look at this story, God acted first. God created the earth. God created the heavens. God allowed it to rain and made it rain. God saved Noah by God's grace. God provided a remnant for humanity and for all of creation. And Noah, for his part, stepped off the ark and said, Thank you, God, for saving us. And we as humanity, following in Noah's example, we can just say, thank you, God, for your grace and for saving us. And whatever we've been through. So when we think about following the leader, we're following God. We're always following God. The faithful follow God. Always and everywhere. In our um, gospel passage this morning, we have a very familiar passage from Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. And this is the, um, well, just hear these words. These are a familiar account. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And the voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beast, and the angels waited on him. 
Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. May God bless the reading of his word. These short three passages are just compressed and packed with meaning. It provides us with a lot of information and a very efficient use of words. And not just information, but if we allow it, if we're open to it, transformation. These scriptures can transform us when we let them speak to our innermost selves. If we, like we ask on, on Ash Wednesday, to have our hearts rent to be exposed to ourself and to God, and let God's Spirit, let God's Word enter into us, to speak to us, to lead us, we will be transformed, changed. We will see our orientation of life reoriented towards God, not on self, not on all the distractions of life but on God and we will begin to respond to God's actions and grace in our life in this passage in Mark we find Jesus going to be baptized and listen to how Mark addresses it Very quick and very powerful. Jesus came to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. And as he came up out of the water, the heavens were torn apart. And the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. Think about the power it would take to tear the the heavens apart. To tear the fabric of creation apart. And let the Spirit descend like a dove, like peace. And then to hear that voice, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. In this short two verses, we we have a vision of not just the power of God and the nature of God and the actions of God, but we're given a, a vision of the Trinity. God in heaven, the Father, speaks and acts. And the Spirit descends and acts upon the Son. And we have this holy moment where the divine is revealed in a most holy way. And then we're told, immediately, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, led him into the wilderness, and there he was tempted by Satan, the adversary, the tempter. And he was with the wild animals. Now Mark isn't concerned what those temptations looked like or sounded like. He just wants us to know it was 40 days in the wilderness. In 40 days, he he faced the adversary, the tempter, Satan. 
And for 40 days, he was around the wild animals. And we don't know if those wild animals would lay down with him as the wolf would lay down with the lamb, as in Isaiah, or if those wild animals circled Jesus as he was praying. And we read in Psalms. But he was there in the wilderness. What looked like, it may have felt like, and sounded like all alone. We know that he was not. That the angels of God, the messengers of God, ministered to him, cared for him, took care of him. In the presence of Satan, the adversary, in the presence of the wild animals, in the presence of loneliness and desolation, in the presence of nothing, God provided everything he needed. That's the lesson of the wilderness. In all of our wilderness, and whatever our wilderness looks like, we will find ourselves growing nearer and nearer to God. Because in the wilderness, we cannot fend for ourselves. In the wilderness, we cannot provide for ourselves. We are vulnerable. We are exposed of all of our frailties and all of our mortalities and morbidities, of all of our brokenness. But God is there to provide, just as God did for Noah coming out of the ark and the, and the, and the flood, just as God did for the Israelites as they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, and just as God did for Jesus Christ as he was in the wilderness for 40 days. God provides what we need tends to us and cares for us. Our response is to follow. Our response is to proclaim what God has done, what God is doing, what God will do. And that's exactly what Jesus does. In the following section, we find Jesus after, after John the Baptist has been arrested and taken away. And John's message of repentance and his baptism of repentance is now with, with John in jail, waiting his sentence. And that's the time that Jesus arrives on the scene in Galilee to proclaim the kingdom of God has come near and to repent and believe the good news. John started this ministry of repentance for the people of Israel to turn away from all that they were looking for, for all that they had hoped for, and put all of their trust in. To turn away from all those things and to turn back to God. To repent. You know, my mother, she used to tell me about repentance all the time. She'd say, you know what repentance means? I'd say, yes, ma'am, you've, you've told me. She'd say, it means 100, you turn directions 180 degrees. It means you're going this way, and then you're going that way. Yes, ma'am, I got it. Repent. God's doing something. God will do something. Repent and be awake. Acknowledge and give thanks for what God is doing, what God has done, and what God will do. For the, heaven, the kingdom of heaven has come near. 
that little phrase is kind of can be troublesome, this whole notion of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, because it, it, we want to put boundaries on kingdoms. Like this, this kingdom goes from the river to the mountains, from the sea to the lake. And that's not the kind of kingdom the kingdom of God is about. Mark in the New Testament has a different notion of the kingdom of God. It's a temporal kingdom. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kingdom that begins with Jesus Christ, is introduced with Jesus Christ, and goes on forever. And it grows, and it grows, and it grows, and it introduces new things. And our job as a church... Our jobs as, as faithful followers of Jesus Christ is to see those new things and to praise God and proclaim the good news, what God is doing, and to give thanks. So we spend this season, the season of Lent, on repentance. There's an interesting, well, I left my book. Hang on one second. I have a book. I want to read you a, um, a paragraph from N.T. Wright in his commentary on Mark. Very interesting about repentance. I knew I forgot something. This was written in 2001. N.T. Wright says, If you were to walk down the street of any town or village with any Christian background and were to call out, repent, and believe the gospel... People would think they knew what you, you meant. Give up your sins and become a Christian. Of course Jesus wanted people to stop sinning, but repentance for him meant two rather different things as well. First, it meant turning away from the social and political agendas which were driving Israel into a crazy, ruinous war. We can imagine someone saying that today in a country where ideologies are driving half the population into violent behavior. Second, it meant calling Israel to turn back to a true loyalty to Yahweh, their God. And as anyone with a smattering of knowledge of the Bible would recognize, this was what had to happen before God would redeem Israel at last. The call to repent is part of the announcement that this is the time for the great moment of freedom of God's rescue. Today and for this season, I invite us to follow the leaders we've had before us. Follow Noah's lead and give thanks for God's grace. Follow Jesus' lead and Jesus' example to proclaim the good news, to proclaim that the kingdom of God, the reign of God, the rule of God has come near. And repent. Turn away from any trust in anything other than God. God alone. God alone is one who acts first for our good and for our favor.
And when we see it, when we experience it, and when we hear it, let us just give thanks. Thanks to God Almighty, creator of all things, redeemer of all things, and sustainer of all people. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.